Hi, welcome to season four of the Aced It podcast, where we translate science into sense. So you can learn about research in the justice and health fields without having to access or read a lengthy journal article or report. I'm Danielle Rudes, your host, coming to you from Sam Houston State University in Texas, and I'll do most of the work for you. All you have to do is listen. Aced It is a cool and super helpful product brought to you by the Center for Advancing Correctional Excellence, ACE, at George Mason University in Virginia. For more information, check out our website, jcoinctc.org. Now, let's get started. In the United States, Black Americans hold a uniquely marginalized position. As W.E.B. Du Bois wrote in 1903 in The Soul of Black Folks, quote, it is a particular sensation, this double consciousness, this sense of always looking at oneself through the eyes of others, of measuring one's soul by the tape of a world that looks on in assumed contempt and pity. One ever feels his two-ness, an American, a Negro, two souls, two thoughts, two unreconciled strivings, two wearing ideals in one dark body, whose dogged strength alone keeps it from being torn asunder, unquote. The branches of history are never cut clean from which some brand new present springs. Rather, history continues to grow like an oak tree with every branch connected to the same roots, which is to say that you cannot understand political affiliations, racial attitudes, and even opioid stigma today without understanding our nation's history. There is an unbroken string that connects us to our past, present, and future. The way we structure our society, the programs we fund, the laws we make, the approach to solving problems, and indeed, even what we consider to be problems, are shaped by the push and pull of political ideologies. Much has been written about the racialized nature of drug use epidemics, most notably the crack cocaine epidemic of the late 1980s and early 1990s, which was mainly concentrated in non-white populations. The answer to this epidemic was new and harsher laws. The Anti-Drug Use Act of 1986 created huge disparities in sentencing between crack and powder cocaine. Under this bill, having five grams of crack cocaine triggered a five-year minimum sentence, but it took 500 grams of powder cocaine to trigger the same sentence. Being a cheaper alternative to powder cocaine, crack is more prominently found in low-income neighborhoods. These neighborhoods are more likely to be predominantly black or other non-white and in urban areas, which are more over-policed. The harmful effects of the 1986 law would be supercharged by the Violent Crime Control and Law Enforcement Act of 1994, commonly known as the Crime Bill, which was at the time supported by 58% of Black Americans, as well as most Black mayors, who were grappling with a record wave of violent crime. In reflecting on his vote in favor of the bill, Representative James Clyburn recalled that, quote, crack cocaine was a scourge in the black community. They wanted it out of those communities and they had gotten very tough on drugs. And that is why yours truly and other members of the Congressional Black Caucus voted for that 1994 crime bill, unquote. Content analysis of media portrayals and the opioid and crack cocaine epidemics evidence the different responses to each. 
with sympathetic portrayals of suburban white prescription opioid users in response to the current opioid epidemic has been more prominently explicitly medical. Even so, while responses have been less punitive than responses to the crack epidemic, medical responses to the opioid crisis have been slow to scale up and face barriers of their own. And even today, the same racial and political tensions push and pull policies. Dr. Maria Paya and colleagues looked at the effects of racial attitudes, political affiliations, and opioid stigma on public support for a punitive or medical response to opioid use disorders. They analyzed a nationally representative sample of 1,161 U.S. adults from the AmeriSpeak survey. They wanted to know how or if racial attitudes, political affiliation, or opioid stigma impacted support for four opioid policies, expanding Medicaid benefits to low-income earners to cover the treatment of opioid use disorder. Support for increasing the amount of public funds invested in treatment of opioid use disorder. Belief that making the treatment of opioid use disorder mandatory for those diagnosed is an effective way to help. And support for making naloxone available and easily accessible without a prescription. They measured social stigma toward people with opioid use disorder on a 10-item scale, assessing respondents' willingness to employ or marry persons with current or a history of opioid use disorder, or have them married into their family, as well as the perceived dangerousness and trustworthiness of individuals with opioid use disorder. Race-conservative attitudes regarding Black Americans was measured using a subscale of the Colorblind Racial Attitude Scale, or COBRAs, which has been shown to be associated with higher levels of racial prejudice. The COBRAs is an eight-item scale that asks about the degree to which people agree with certain statements like, quote, white people in the U.S. have certain advantages because of the color of their skin, unquote, and, quote, racial and ethnic minorities do not have the same opportunities as white people in the U.S., unquote. Respondents identified their political affiliation as Democrat, Republican, leaning toward Democrats, leaning toward Republicans, or no affiliation. So what did they find when they ran their logistic regressions? Which, as a reminder, is basically asking if any of our variables can predict a person's response to the opioid policy questions. They found that those who identified as a Democrat more strongly supported all four policy proposals as compared with Republicans. This association was strongest for Medicaid supports and was weakest for mandatory treatment. Negative attitudes toward Black Americans were associated with lower support for all outcomes except mandatory treatment, and higher OUD stigma was also associated with lower support for the same three outcomes. They also found less support for Medicaid expansion, increased government spending on opioids and naloxone availability among Black, Hispanic, and Asian American participants as compared to non-Hispanic whites. In another JCoin study, Dr. Zachary Adams and colleagues used the same AmeriSpeak survey to examine attitudes of young 19- to 29-year-olds toward those same policy options. In their model, they looked at the effect of having a history of opioid use, experience with the criminal legal system, and demographics had on stigma toward people who misuse opioids. Support or lack of support for those same opioid policies discussed in the previous study 
and discrimination toward people with OUD. They found that age and income were positively associated with stigma, whereas family opioid misuse was negatively associated with stigma, meaning that as the respondents' age increased and as their income went up, so did the level of stigma toward those who misuse opioids. Those with family or friends who had a history of opioid misuse evidenced lower stigma than those who did not have family or friends with a history of opioid misuse. Those with personal experience with opioid misuse were also more likely to support policies benefiting those with OUD as compared with those who have never misused opioids. And individuals with a personal criminal history were less likely to support policies benefiting those with OUD. While these studies don't present the last word on who believes or supports what they do, they do begin to give us guidance on the ways we might reach potentially resistant populations, tailoring messages for the audience based on political ideology or culture. They start to inform potential interventions to reduce stigma and discrimination. And it's important that we continue to try to understand what impacts support for policies and what will help individuals with opioid use disorder, because as noted intellectual James Baldwin so artfully admonished us, quote, there are so many ways of being despicable, it quite makes one's head spin. But the way to be really despicable is to be contemptuous of other people's pain, unquote. And while he also famously said, quote, people are trapped in history and history is trapped in them, unquote, perhaps by understanding and acknowledging the traps, we can begin to figure our way out. That wraps another episode of the Aced It podcast. We thank you for listening to Aced It, where we translate science into sense. Also, remember you can find one-page summary overviews written in plain language and short knowledge bursts, which are 30-second overviews for all the research we cover on this podcast on our website, www.gmuace.org. Our conveniently packaged research summaries may help you remember what you heard here, and they will help you translate this research to your staff, friends, students, or colleagues. ACED is part of the NIDA-funded Justice Community Opioid Innovation Network, or JCOIN, through the Coordination and Translation Center, CTC, housed at the Center for Advancing Correctional Excellence, ACE, at George Mason University. Tune in again for more science and more sense with ACED.